A U.S. retreat from Afghanistan, bad idea, with a due date, a completion date of 9-11? What the heck is the Biden administration thinking? Hey friends, welcome to the Press Club C Podcast. I'm Ray Keating. In this 46th episode, we're going to address President Joe Biden's decision to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. Now, that's a bad idea, but announcing that you will do so by September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on the United States, is completely bewildering and amounts to a symbolic victory for the Taliban and its fellow terrorists. But before getting fully into this... Let's quickly answer that key question once more. What the heck is the Press Club C? Anyway, each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics. S is for sports. That second S is for stories, books and writing, my own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction, etc. C is for culture, pop culture and otherwise. L is for life, the big catch-all. U is for understanding, lessons in history, education, economics, and so on. B is for business and entrepreneurship. And that final C in Press Club C is for conservative. Why? Because I am one. And in particular, because we have to define this very clearly these days, I'm a Reagan, Kemp, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. Woo. All right, so let's talk about this decision by President Biden, which amounts to a retreat from Afghanistan with absolutely no conditions on the ground. Uh, and to make matters even worse, Biden has bizarrely chosen 9-11 of this year as the date by which the U.S. military, along with forces deployed by NATO allies and and other partners, <clears throat> will be pulled out of Afghanistan. What genius, what political genius in the White House thought that was a good idea? Wow. Distressing, disturbing, and just politically dumb. Um, and, you know, the, the Taliban and its terrorist allies, yes, including al-Qaeda, um, you know, they've been playing a waiting game as it pertains to the U.S., especially uh, since February of 2020, which we'll get to in a minute. And quite frankly, they, they should send Biden and the White House a, a nice thank you note. Again, very distressing. So let's be clear on a few things. First, the U.S., thanks to its military, has in reality achieved enormous victories. That's right, victories, folks. So we hear a lot of rhetoric contrary to that. Victories against a global terrorist network, including in, in Afghanistan and in Iraq. So think about what happened, you know, on 9-11-2001 and what most Americans saw and expected the following days. And then think about what has been accomplished in terms of defending the U.S. against terrorist threats since then, including... You know, for example, decimating the Taliban, killing Osama bin Laden, deposing Saddam Hussein, uh, defeating ISIS, and so on. It's it's really been quite amazing, um, and it's a great credit to the United States military and its leaders. And all of this has happened even with some bad political de decisions and some very bad ones along the way that were costly in terms of lives, uh, but thankfully they were reversed, you know, such as 
President George W. Bush and President Barack Obama recognizing at various times the need for troop surges in Iraq and Obama do, um, you know, also doing so in Afghanistan. So again, let's not play the game that America has somehow been defeated or the American military has been defeated. That clearly is not the case. Uh, in fact, when you look at number two, that's my second point. These gains in recent years have been sustained with <clears throat> really a limited number, uh, limited numbers of military personnel deployed. Now, I'll talk a little bit more on that later in terms of the specifics. But, you know, the levels today, for example, in Afghanistan and elsewhere are, are, are far below, not even, you know, they're a fraction of the peaks that we saw uh, in the midst of battle in Iraq and in Afghanistan. Now, third, despite, and you can't call it anything else, but wishful thinking by both President Trump and President Biden, not to mention the U.S. State Department, the Taliban, they have no interest in abandoning uh, terrorism or their radical, violent strain of of Islam. They, they oppose democracy. They terrorize elections and citizens. Um, they want to create a totalitarian Islamic emirate. Keep my, that word in mind, totalitarian. That, of course, is not good news for basic rights, basic human rights, basic freedoms. So, you look at the track record, it's really bad news for women. Um, the education of girls, um, all these gains that have been made being placed at risk, the Afghan government being placed, our ally being placed at risk, and so on. Um, so the Taliban uh, and its terrorist buddies basically duped Trump, who actually cut out the Afghanistan government, our allies again, to sign a deal back in February 2020 to withdraw troops from from Afghanistan. Um, and his date was May of this year. Biden is proving to be just as much of a dupe by pledging to complete that. And there's no other word for it, that retreat. But by September, by specifically, again, by 9-11 of this year. Um, you know, fourth, this is all very good news for terrorists. Um, with the U.S. military presence gone, for example, Afghanistan promises to again become a base of operations where terrorism, for terrorism to take root, to train, and to export terror, including against U.S. targets. Uh, fifth, you know, but, but you have Biden. When you look at his statement, um, he made the following pledge. I don't know what this is supposed to be. Is this supposed to be like some sort of, you know, oh, I'm still a tough guy as president of the United States. He actually said this, quote, and the Taliban should know that if they attack us as we draw down, we will defend ourselves and our partners with all the tools at our disposal, close quote. Well, golly, my goodness. I just, uh, anyway, yeah. Okay, so, you know, when you look at, you know, among those, it, that, that's a signal that should be taken very clear in terms of the weakness of um, this president, and not to mention, you know, Donald Trump's affinity for terrorists and uh, 
and the dictatorial leader of North Korea and so on. It, it saw a sign of the weakness and ineptness of the political arm, the political leaders, the presidents of the United States. So, But among those who – keep that in mind because among those who agree that by pulling out a resurgence of terrorism against the Afghan people – and the government and, and terrorism beyond that will occur, right? So those people understand that or believe that. Some of those people believe that this will, will require the U.S. at some point to send the military back in, right? Back into Afghanistan, another surge, if you will. But that, you have to assume that U.S. politicians like Biden and the rest of the Democratic Party, uh, and Donald Trump's disciples within the Republican Party would be willing to do so. I see no evidence that they would. I really don't. And that means the sacrifices of the last 20 years will have been, let's see, to be generous, will, be, will have been greatly diminished by shameful politicians. And I have to say that, you know, this all has a whiff of... Vietnam to it. Finally, you know, this issue, along with a host of other issues, um, this issue highlights the divisions within the Republican Party between, you know, an inward focused isolationist wing of populace versus, you know, more traditional conservative Republicans who see uh, an important role for the U.S. to play uh, internationally for the sake of our own national security, to support allies, and to, to oppose as best we can totalitarianism, totalitarian forms of government. Um, now, there are going to be disagreements within that group, for example. There have, always have been. But the, the, uh, the idea that the U.S. is a global leader uh, was embraced and is embraced by that wing. Now, the question is, who's going to win this struggle? Now, there are a couple of folks that are worth highlighting here in terms of their reactions to what Biden is doing on the Republican side. So among the isolationists, you have Senator Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, and he just said he's happy that the troops are presumably coming home. So there you go. Uh, Josh Hawley, a uh, a dubious ent uh, individual, to say the least, a populist with uh, anyway, never mind Hawley in January 6th and stealing the election and so on. But anyway, Hawley actually urged the White House to stick to Trump's May 1st deadline. Um, but he did say, hey, it's better late than never. So that that that's those are two prominent names that are have kind of taken or trying to pick up the mantle of, you know, Trump populism, if you want to put it that way. On the other side, you've got two very interesting and, and I think more, you know pretty thoughtful responses from individuals like um, U.S. Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. So Cheney put out a statement, and I'm going to read part of it. Um, she said, any withdrawal of forces that is not based on conditions on the ground puts American security at risk. Right, Check. Uh, a little bit later, she said, I'm not sure why the White House has selected that date, talking about 9-11. But I can tell you that that is a huge propaganda victory for the Taliban, for al-Qaeda. Absolutely correct. She's absolutely right. 
Um, now, I'll continue a little bit later. We know that al-Qaeda continues to operate across Afghanistan. We know that the Taliban has not, in fact, lived up to any of the commitments that they made during the previous administration. And we know that this kind of a pullback is reckless. It's dangerous. It puts American security at risk. It will provide an opportunity for terrorists to be able to establish safe havens again. It also puts the women of Afghanistan at risk. It puts the women of Afghanistan into the position they were in potentially 20 years ago, where their lives are not valued, where they have no freedom. Absolutely correct. How can you come to any other conclusion, quite frankly? Um, And she finishes up by saying the United States of America went to Afghanistan because our security depended upon it, because we were attacked by al-Qaeda, because the Taliban hosted al-Qaeda, That relationship continues. A withdrawal of forces that isn't based on conditions on the ground is fundamentally dangerous. Amen. Correct. Liz Cheney, spot on. Once again, um, she is a Congress member of Congress that, that gets it right most of the time. Um, As for representative uh, Kinzinger, he wrote an op-ed and uh, I'm going to highlight a few points here because they're well worth highlighting. Um, he talks about, you know, I think Americans, a lot of Americans assume that if we do something elsewhere in the world, like even, you know, the libertarians, even beyond our own borders, you know, uh, then Americans must be opposed and hated. No, that's not the case. I mean, I can tell you a, a firsthand, you know, it's an anecdote, but, you know, I used to work with somebody whose family fled uh, Vietnam. Um, and when America was there, they weren't viewed as horrible people by most of the Vietnamese. They were viewed as um, people that they were that were there to help them, to protect them. Uh, they were looked at favorably. That's certainly what this woman told me in terms of her own family and how they viewed things. But anyway, so here's Kinzinger's, a few points from Kinzinger's op-ed. Quote, uh, U.S. and Afghan Afghan goals are completely aligned. We both seek to secure Afghanistan so it cannot be a threat to its people or its allies and ensure a positive future in Afghanistan by protecting the gains made. Now, he gets gets here to, to the number of troops. The United States engagement has evolved to focus on these goals, as was always intended, far from the 100,000 troops in Afghanistan in 2010, less than... 500 tro- uh, 5,000 troops remain on the ground. And he, he talks about what they're doing. American forces are now primarily conducting intelligence, counterterrorism, as well as uh, train and assist operations, while Afghan security forces conduct 96% of security operations in Afghanistan. Afghans are bearing the brunt of the fight, while both Afghans and Americans alike share in the benefits. Um, he, he Again, another point that needs to be driven home and and needs to be heard. While many, he continues, he writes, while many fatigued Americans characterize U.S. engagement in Afghanistan as a, quote, forever war, close quote, and Biden did say that in his statement. Um, Kinzinger continues, the reality is that America's presence in Afghanistan is no longer the same combat mission that began after September 11th, the September 11th, 2001 terror attacks. Now, these final um, two or three sentences are very important. 
He writes, it has evolved into a mutually beneficial partnership where each side serves as an insurance policy on security for each other. For the United States to abandon their position in Afghanistan is dangerous. To give up what American and Afghan troops have fought and died side by side for, only for the U.S. to return next year with more troops to fight the same enemy again, would be a grave mistake. Close quote. Now, I heartily agree that would be a grave, grave mistake. This is what Biden is doing. He's committing a grave mistake, yes. But again, you know, Representative Kinsinger is one of the folks assuming that, you know, if things got ugly, the U.S. would go back in. But again, I, I really doubt that the U.S. would return. I hate to say it, but I think it's more like it's less like the surges in Iraq by both Bush and Obama or the one in Afghanistan by Obama. It's it's it has the feel, the stench. These this political climate has the stench of something like Vietnam where we did not go back in. Um, You know, listen, when you look at. All these issues and debates, you know, America's role in the world, I think, in the coming years will largely be dictated by who wins control of the national security and foreign policy debate within the Republican Party. Democrats, I mean, my goodness, they've been a mess on foreign affairs and national security for so long. Biden is just reaffirming that. I really don't expect much to come from um, uh, from the Democrats on this. For a very, very long time, really since, you know, uh, let's say since Reagan, our foreign policy strength and, and whatever clarity we have had has, has been on, when you talk about the two political parties, it's been on the side of the Republicans. That's being lost. That, that was turned into a convoluted mess um, during President Trump's administration, where it was just driven by the whims of the president um, and his his gross assumptions about America's role in the world, um, which, when you push aside the rhetoric and the inconsistencies and inconsistencies and so on, it largely lines up with um, what the Democratic Party viewed uh, has viewed on these issues has viewed America's role on on international issues. So. You know, it's 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 going to be a, a a debate in these coming months and years between within the Republican Party between isolationists and those willing to lead internationally. That they believe that the United States should lead internationally. My goodness, they believe that the United States is a superpower and should um, act accordingly and according to our best principles. Um, that's the, that's the debate. And unfortunately I'm not optimistic about the eventual outcome. So that's not ending on a happy note. How about we end on a quick commercial for, (laughs) for one of my books? Um, this, this, this episode of the podcast, uh, has been brought to you for, by my book, Behind Enemy Lines, Conservative Communiques from Left Wing New York. There's, it has a collection of wide-ranging collection of columns and essays that cover politics, economics, 
faith, history, trade, foreign affairs, national security, uh, immigration, pop culture, business, sports, books, and a heck of a lot more. Um, please check it out. You can get paperbacks and the Kindle edition of Behind Enemy Lines over at Amazon.com. You can get signed books. I'll sign it and shoot it out to you over at RayKeatingOnline.com. Um, you know, I in the description of the book and in discussions, you know, I often focus in on, you know, we've been talking about this. It's very clear these are often confusing and contradictory times. So I try to drive home the point <clears throat> You know what? What brand of conservative am I? Well, I'm. A, you know, and that these are ref, this brand, if you will, is reflected uh, throughout many of these, many, many of these essays. You know, I'm, I'm a what I would call a traditional American Reagan-esque conservative. Um, my conservatism is firmly rooted in Judeo-Christian values, Western civilization. The Declaration of Independence, U.S. Constitution, and and essential ideas and institutions such as, again, the Christian church, the, the intrinsic value of each individual, the role of the, the important role of the family, uh, freedom and individual responsibility, limited government, free enterprise and free markets. Oh, and yes, a strong leadership role for America on the world stage. So please check out Behind Enemy Lines Again, at Amazon.com or at RayKeatingOnline.com. Thanks again for listening, folks. Your feedback and suggestions are always welcome. Please check out my various endeavors and books, uh, some columns over at KeatingFiles.com, uh, my podcast, Free Enterprise uh, in Three Minutes. Um, obviously, this one in terms of the Press Club C podcast. I also do a daily dose of Disney uh, through my DisneyBizJournal.com website. So if you're interested in in uh, in the Disney business and entertainment empire, please check that out. Of course, I've got 14 novels out now. Pastor Stephen Grant, Thrillers and Mysteries. Uh, the 15th one can be pre-ordered. What's Lost? Uh, Pastor Stephen Grant short story. Again, all those books are available at Amazon.com and at RayKeatingOnline.com. Also check out uh, in addition to Behind Enemy Lines, my other recent nonfiction book, Free Trade Rocks. So again, thanks for considering all the things that I do. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Uh, God bless. Take care.